run Rommel's looking like he's got one more good run Zip's a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Everything you need is here under the sun Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. My name is Jeff Fuller. I've been breeding dogs for over 20 years and it is my passion. We love putting best friends in people's homes and selling them that dream. That dream of riding the truck next to you, running around the field on a hunt, or just being a best friend at your house. If you're looking for a high-quality Labrador Retriever puppy, please check our website out as www.soggyacres.com or you can call me at 262-215-9683 or email me sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Remember, whether it's yellow, black, or chocolate, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Here at the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are all about the dogs. As our listeners, we want to thank you all for listening. We want to ask you a favor. Please give us a five-star rating. Give us a thumbs up. Share us with your friends. If you can support us financially, go to Anchor Support and support us there. We are only as strong as our fans and your help that you give us where we are going to spread our love for dogs and dogs in the field. Please share it to your friends and family. Please help us grow. Thank you again so much for listening to us. God bless. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller, and we have a great show for you today. Today, I'm going to talk about how you fix an in-season issue that you have with your dog. Uh, we had a person that emailed me and asked about their dog having issues with braking. Uh, we also had an issue where someone emailed about their dog being vocal in the duck blind, so I thought it would be a great time to talk about in-season fixes and how you handle it. I also wanted to talk about how cold is too cold. This was yet another time that someone reached out and they had an issue where they wanted to know at what point is it too cold for their dog to be out there and how they can mitigate these issues. This will also apply for pets or hunting. And then in the last part, it'll be setting up your duck blind. So we can talk about how we can set our blinds up so that the dog in cold atmosphere or even hot atmosphere during the hunt can be safe while they're out there with you in the field. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about in-season issues. And this person had a problem where their dog was breaking, going out to water's edge and stopping, but then having to be recalled to send them on the retrieve. So when we have issues during a hunt or while we're in the field, you can always look back at your training. Now, this is something that, full disclosure, when I had our TV show and we were filming, a critique I often got, which was a fair critique, was that our dogs would break at times. And it's something that when you had the TV show, it was tough because the right thing to do is call the dog back, not let them have the retrieve. But when you are filming, it is all about getting birds on the water or on the ground as well. So you're kind of running that where you're mitigating those two against each other. 
when you're when I was doing the TV show, I would have my kids with me, guides with me, sponsors with me, camera guys. There was so much going on that it really was a struggle for me to be a dog handler as well as a host of a TV show. So that would be what you want to look at is always look at yourself when you have a dog in the field as a handler. You're no longer a hunter, you're a handler. You are a handler that has trained this dog, worked with this dog, and you're going to watch the dog to make sure that problems don't evolve. If you end up where you have a dog that breaks, first thing you do during that hunt, set your gun down. You're no longer hunting. You need to focus all on the dog. You need to make sure the dog is sitting there, make sure the dog is not moving, and make sure the dog is completely steady so that this problem doesn't get worse. Easy way to do this, and another thing that I always tell our clients is, as birds are coming in or as the dog is sitting there, talk to your dog. Obviously not loud, but talk to them. As they're in their dog blind next to you or in a, a blind that is set away from you, talk to them. Tell them, sit, good, sit, good, sit. Because you're going to repeat this command over and over. One, you're telling the dog they're doing what you want them to do. Two, when that dog moves, you're going to have the collar, electric collar on their neck set at a level where the dog thinks, wow, that sucks. I don't want that to happen again. So make sure that the, they, they do not run through that collar. Now, a lot of collars are set up where they don't go quite high enough. I have the point where I talk to my clients and I always lead them towards certain brand models because of the fact that they get to a certain level the dog won't run through. If you have a collar that is not strong enough for your dog, what can happen is the dog runs right through the collar, does not care about the correction because they're so amped and so excited about the retrieve and finding the prey that you end up where you now have an issue that's going to get worse and worse in time because you can't give the right correction. I know the old school way and in the way that I see a lot of people put it is to have their dog on a leash even a pinch collar, but have it tied to the blind or to a tie-out stake so the dog can't leave, and so that it corrects them if they do try to leave. The only issue I have with this is if you have leashes and then you have collars on dogs, if you're releasing them with the leash, you have something that could get hung up on an underwater obstruction. If you have a collar, that underwater obstruction could pull the dog under. So you wanna make sure that you're looking at safety. If you are putting a collar or a leash on a dog, you have to remove it prior to going on the retrieve. And I've seen guys that will just release the leash and then trust the dog won't get hung up. One, it's a danger to the dog. Two, it can be a danger to you if you have to go out and get your dog. Three, you're going to greatly slow your hunt down because you're now having to go out to get the dog untangled. So again, have it so that you're handling the dog. Have it so that you're correcting the dog if the dog even moves an inch. But the entire time also talk to the dog, give the dog praise so that the dog is doing what you're wanting. And the same thing could be said for if you have a vocal dog. You tell the dog quiet, quiet, quiet. You can try correcting them with the collar. You could try grabbing them by the muzzle. Most of the time when you have a dog that is vocal, one, vocality is genetic. I will argue that. To my dying day, I had a line of dogs that I stopped breeding that line. Even though one of the females out of that line was qualified all age, great line, they were vocal. I could not breed it out of that line. It's almost that the dog, one, vocality runs in their lines, but two, they are so amped. 
in this line of mine, it had too much drive. They were too amped. They wanted to go, and it was like killing them to sit there. You can try using an e-collar on something like that. The problem you run into is that when a dog is at a heightened level of excitement, nicking them with an e-collar may make them vocalize. You can grab them by the muzzle, tell them quiet. You can take the dog and put them back away. When you're trying to fix vocality during hunting, this is one that I tell people you're probably better off pulling the dog for that season and working with it outside of the season so that you can get it fixed so that the dog is under control and is not vocal. And the same thing could be said if you have a dog that breaks. If you're not able to fix it during the hunt when you're being a handler, you're going to want to pull that dog you're going to want to work with that dog as a, in, in a training atmosphere so it's completely under control so that you can get them so that they are working properly and then take them and work with them in the field as a handler. If you are having a dog that's vocal, you get it fixed, you go through your training where you're throwing uh, birds, you're throwing bumpers. I will throw live birds 10 feet away and make the dog sit there and watch the bird as it twaddles along on the ground. Once you get them so they're under control, or if you have a dog that's breaking, you get them so they're no longer breaking. If you have them fixed, quote-unquote, now, again, that's quote because you're going to run into issues. The first few times out in the field, again, you are a handler. Do not bother taking a gun along to shoot at birds because you need to watch that dog. You've put the time in. you got to watch the dog. you got to work with them, and you got to make sure they're under control. When we look at our hunting training I am like a broken record. I tell clients this. I know I talk about it on the podcast. Hunting is not training. Hunting is not the time to train. When we are looking at bird work with dogs, that is their natural ability. Training is control. Control first. We need to have the dog where they are completely under control and understand they hunt for us. So keep that in mind. Look at yourself as a handler and work with them in the field so you can be successful as a team with your dog. You're going to run into problems where you have hunting buddies who are going to tell you, you know what, who cares about that? The dog doesn't finish a retrieve. The dog breaks. Don't worry about that. The birds are coming. Just shut up. Put the dog away. If you have friends that are like this, don't hunt with them. Or look at them and tell them, listen, we're out here. You wanted my dog along. I have to make sure my dog is performing properly. So if you don't like it, we won't hunt again. Or if you don't like it, I will just walk out right now. Have your dog under control. Put them in an atmosphere so that they can succeed. But also realize you are a teammate with your dog. So I hope that helps um, fix the two questions that we had. Next up, I wanted to talk about, in essence, how cold is too cold to have your dog out? And then in the last part, again, we're going to talk about having your dog line set up so that your dog is out of the elements and in a healthy position while they're during the hunt. All that and more coming up after this. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. We all know that unexpected accidents can happen. That's why I partner with Trupanion's Breeder Support Program to send all of my puppies home from Soggy Acres Retrievers with an offer for Trupanion coverage. Learn more about Trupanion and sign up for their free Breeder Support Program by visiting trupanion.com breeder. Be sure to tell them that Sporting Dog Adventure sent you. 
For the last 10 years, I've bought all my vehicles from the Boucher Automotive Group in Janesville. If you want to get a great Ram truck or a great Ford truck, my son actually bought a used Chevy truck from them. They have fair prices. They have a knowledgeable, honest staff, and they really stand behind their products. You can go on their websites, frankbouchercrysler.net or gordyboucherford.com and find out the inventory they have. Again, I know everyone's saying that it's so hard to find a vehicle. We've bought three vehicles this year during a time that, quote unquote, you can't find them. They have what you need and they're a great company to work with. Check out Boucher. They ride with you every mile. Welcome back to the show. So I had someone that reached out and they wanted to know how cold it was to have their dog Labrador Retriever outside. Now, I will tell you that what we are going to talk about is Labrador Retrievers. Every breed is different. Your retrieving breeds are probably going to be very similar to a lab, but when you get into pointing breeds, you get into uh, pet dogs that are not hunting breeds, they are not going to be as hardy as a lab. But this person wanted to know with winter here, how long was too long to have their dog outside? And the simple answer is hunting dogs love it outside. I tell people when we have them here for boarding, they are outside for <coughs> usually four to six hours per day. To give you an idea, this morning it is 15 degrees. The dogs were out for about an hour and a half. I went out there. They were happy. They're bouncing around. They're chasing each other. They're playing with sticks. They are set up so that they just do not feel this weather. Um, with that said, I do not leave dogs out for an extended period of time where we're talking four to six hours because in my mind, I don't want them to have to get tired and lay down on the snow and ice. I want them, if they're out, to be going to the bathroom, to be playing, to be having fun. So I don't keep them out so long that it would be like where it's 50 degrees and they're out basking in the sun and laying on the ground. But at the same time, they are a hardy breed. They are a hardy animal and they want to be out there. They want to have fun. We do not leave our older dogs out for these extended periods of time. But when we're looking at dogs that are six months to, let's say, eight years old, they are set up and designed for weather like this. So for them to be inside is torture. They want to be outside. I put them out when we have a regular winter day like today. They'll probably be out at least three times for a total of maybe four to five hours total over those three times, not per session. But they will be out. They're going to get exercise and they will have a lot of fun. I don't put booties on dogs. Uh, when you hunt them, you can get where their feet are tore up from ice. In our dog yard, we don't have that. I don't worry about their quote-unquote feet getting cold. They are basically just out. They are hanging out, having fun, and playing and getting exercise. Um, so it's not like we're putting dog blankets on them or anything like that that you'd see for your pet breed dogs. Now, I know most of you probably already know we have chihuahuas. Those dogs probably needed to be uh, over 50 degrees to be comfortable outside. But again, you look at why that dog breed was made and where it's from. It's from Mexico. These are dogs that are warm weather dogs that are up here in the cold. So it is a different animal, quote unquote, pun intended, that uh, you have to really help when they're outside. When we look at taking dogs hunting, again, we're going to talk about the dog line coming up after this. If I have a dog out and it is below 45 degrees, I do put a neoprene vest on a dog so that it keeps their body heat in. And then it's just watching your dog, whether you have them out as a pet or you have them out 
in a hunting atmosphere, you can generalize things, but every dog is different. If you have a dog that is miserable being outside for a certain period of time, we do not want to put them in a position where they hate something or it's unhealthy for them. So it's watch the dog. When you have dogs hunting, we want to make sure they have a dry area to be if they get wet so that they are keeping themselves in a good position so they're not becoming hypothermic and it's not dangerous to their health. I, I, I will say do not run a neoprene vest on my dogs if we're running upland. If we're running upland, I've had dogs run where it's below zero and the dogs, as long as they're moving, are completely fine and warm. With that said, if you have your vehicle and the dogs are going to be in there for an extended period of time um, during the hunt and not running, I try to make sure that we have either a blanket or a kennel cover over the over the uh, dog's crate so that the dog can stay warm. So those are, I guess, the ways I look at cold with Labrador Retrievers. Again, your retrieving breeds are going to be your more hardy breeds. When we get into our pointers and our pet breeds, those are going to be on a sliding scale as far as their adaptability to the cold and what you need to provide them so that they're healthy. So I hope that helps. I hope that you guys are out having fun with your dogs. I know I'm looking forward to getting my dogs out. We're going to go on a good walk today, get some exercise, get out there. They will have fun. It is cold, so I'm going to put a bunch of clothes on, but I hope that uh, you're getting, getting your dogs out to some game farms. I know a lot of people still have hunting yet this year. Get out there and enjoy them. Next up, I want to talk about a waterfall dog blind or box blind and how I set it up for my dogs here in Wisconsin to keep them warm and safe while we're out hunting. All that and more coming up after this. If you're a serious person about the outdoors, or you love shooting, or you just want a great hobby, or all of the above, you need to check out Mech Outdoors. From their shot shell and metallic reloading to their clay target machines, you will get a quality product that will give you so much more enthusiasm about your participation in the outdoors, and also a great hobby that you can do with the whole family. Check out MechOutdoors.com for more. I am going to be the first to admit that sometimes kennels are kind of unsightly in the house. My wife for years was telling me how we needed to find something that wasn't just a kennel, but a piece of furniture. She showed me DCT kennels a long time ago, and we finally got with them, and we have partnered with them as a sponsor for Sporting Dog Adventures. DCT kennels is more than a kennel. It's a piece of furniture. It is high quality, American-made, and something you need as a focal point in your home. For more information, check out dctkennels.com. You will not be disappointed. Welcome back to the show. How do I set up my dog blind was another question. So that the dogs are not in the water and so that they are, I guess, in cold weather so that they can try to stay warm. So what I do is... I either have a raised box built on some of my duck blinds that the dogs are in, or I will have a freestanding dog blind that has telescoping legs where I can adjust the feet up and down. Now, in our area, we hunt in <coughs> area that ha we hunt in waters that have a lot of mud, so I might have to, I guess, mid hunt 
uh, adjust the legs. Usually, honestly, it's probably before even the first shot is fired, I adjust the legs. But I, I make it so that the dog has no part of their body in the blind. And I also, if we're hunting out of one of our blinds that have the box in uh, the blind itself, I will make it so the dogs are up off of the ground at least a couple of inches so that the water can drain. I, in essence, I try to keep it so that where their lane is dry. It's never dry when they come in and first lay down, but you want it to be something that drains so that the dog is not sitting in water. I have a neoprene dog vest on them, and I am also a huge proponent of them having sides on where they're laid, laying down so that they are protected from the wind. Again, we talk about wind chill this time of year. Wind chill is, in essence, the temperature and then the cooling effect on the breeze on them. If you can keep them in an area that is enclosed, it also helps keep their own body, feet, body heat in that area so that it, it basically acts as a heater to warm up the area that they're hunting out of. So we have them set up in that way. The other thing to keep in mind is to have ventilation off of that so that if it is warm out, let's say our teal season where it's 70, 80 degrees, now we want it to be where we're not holding the heat in there. My dog blinds that I have in, in, our, in our overall duck blinds have the ability to open certain spots up so it keeps them in a more of an open atmosphere. And then on our, our blinds that are freestanding, I will actually open up both sides so that the heat is not trapped in there. So keep your dog in a situation where they're healthy. Keep them so that they are warm or cool so that you can have more fun with them in the field. Always monitor them. You can tell if your dog is too hot. You can tell if your dog is too cold. Keep an eye on them. You don't want them to have either happen. You want to make sure that they're healthy while they're out there enjoying the hunt with you. That is it for this week's show. Please share our show with your friends. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a thumbs up. Share us on your platforms. Follow us on the platform you're listening to. Please spread our love for dogs and hunting with dogs in the field to everyone that you know. Thank you again so much for listening this week. Have a great week, everyone, and God bless. Sporty.